Hey everyone and welcome to our yet another episode of the Modern Employer Podcast. Today we are going to be talking to you about long-term people strategy and we have a special guest here with us, Stefan Thomas. Stefan, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, absolutely. So I'm Stefan, Stefan Thomas. I'm delighted to be with you all today and uh, sharing some ideas and thoughts and, and hopefully giving you some practical tools at the end. Um, I've been in people and talent in that arena for about 20-25 years, um, mainly working for large US technology businesses of one thing, one sort or another. Um, perhaps best known for nearly eight years at Google where uh, I was the Global Learning and Development Director um, within the overall people ops team, so Laszlo Box team at the time. Um, last six and a half years or so, I'm now an independent uh, advisor, coach, mentor to heads of people, um, sometimes COOs in businesses on the topic of people and culture and um, sometimes OKRs, but, but most of the time it's the people strategy and agenda. Thank you so much, Stefan. And, and of course, we have also Kartika here with us. Hi, everyone. As per usual, I'm here. So hopefully you guys will enjoy what we have to say today. And I'm really um, glad Stefan's on today because he has a lot of experience. So um, this is going to be useful for Ollie and I, um, but also hopefully everyone else too. So yeah, shall we get cracking? Let's Ollie, get yeah. cracking. We awesome. have uh, some great value to offer to you today. We, we will be talking predominantly at people leaders who own their people strategy and function. So it would be specifically interesting for you if you're looking at building a long-term people strategy. Um, or if you're wondering if the people, if the long-term people strategy is even a thing for your business at this time. So we will help you understand that definition of long-term. Uh, we will help and talk you through building that strategy that will work for your business exactly uh, and for your people agenda. So let's jump right in. And the first point of contact is, you know, what does long-term people strategy even mean? Uh, I will throw this question right at Stefan here. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, well, first of all, I do think long-term still is a thing, absolutely, um, in that you know, both organizations and then the people leaders um, trying to frame a people strategy or agenda, and then individuals uh, within that, within the system themselves, need to think on different kind of like cadences or different like time scales. So um, there's absolutely the here and now, um, and then there's the more medium term, but you've got to be guided by some longer term level of principles or purpose or true north or some such. So, so longer term is a thing. I do think though what um, what's happened in recent years, it's certainly true in tech and has been for a while, but it's true really across pretty much all sectors now, is, is the pace of change has increased dramatically. And I think this last year with COVID, it's taught even those businesses with long business cycles um, and what had been in the past fairly um, settled kind of organizational and business dynamics that you need to be able to rip, pivot rapidly and you need to be prepared to pivot rapidly. So, so it is the case that you need to be guided by some longer term sense of the future, but you also need a level of agility and the ability to reprioritize as well within that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Um, I have a question for you because this is sure. obviously like long term. It's um, you know I've worked in businesses that are sort of startup. You know who would traditionally call themselves the scrappy startup yeah. or a scale up um, environment and what we tend to find with business strategy, especially the direction of the business is they want to drive and grow quickly, right? They want to be able to move agile. Um, as you said, you know, there are a lot of moving parts of the business, but especially in that sort of what they would call the scrappy startup stage, um, you get a lot of process building, a lot of structural you know, change, a lot of rewards, how motivational people, how to motivate people uh, varies and, you know, a lot of scaling within the business. So new people coming into the business. Sure. Um, with that said, is long term, and I know this for a fact, executive teams in, in very small sort of startup scale up environments, especially below that 50, they want to be insurgent within the market they want to drive the product they want to drive processes they want to do things quickly and they can be very reactive and with a reactive business like that how would you develop a long-term strategy for yeah well yeah so 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 I, my immediate response to that is i mean it's it's entirely context specific so what will be long term in one context may be very different in another and specifically in a in a in the kind of dynamic that you've talked about the whole definition of what that business considers to be long term you know perhaps they've only got a, a you know an, enough funding for a horizon that stretches only through to the year end for example and so long term in their sense is you know what's going to get us to the next funding round and what's going to get us to the next to the next bridge um other organizations it may be you know a two to three year type of journey but still whichever one of those contexts there is there is the view that you've got to have some sense of what i would frame as true north some things that are the kind of the the, the wireframe to help enable you think about what needs to be done in the here and now and and so whatever your kind of cycle time is it's the case that you do need to think about longer term because that sets the, the 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 fabric or the wireframe for what you do in the short term. So the way I look at it is, it's almost like a Russian doll. There are there are a series of interlinked different timescales. You know, at the most macro level, why does this business exist in the first place? So what's the purpose of the business, and what are you trying to do? Which then perhaps frames some strategic or highland maybe strategy is the wrong word for for a scrappy startup, but some 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 more macro level outcomes that you're trying to drive within a within a let's say a 12 month horizon, maybe shorter, maybe 18, maybe 24 months, but that might be long term in that sense. So so what are some of those things which then frames then right what do we need to do in the here and now this quarter and next quarter that will get us there. And I think it's the kind of this the stack if you think about the kind of like the stack of those different levels of abstraction um, and the level of rigor and level of detail that you need to inform those different pieces of the stack to make sure that what you're working on in this current quarter, whether you use OKRs or any other sort of process like that goal-driven process, but the things that you're doing this quarter are aligned and feed back upwards into that stack. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. That's exactly what I was sort of looking for, because I, I think a lot of um, companies now, um, and Ollie, you might, might feel the same, is that they sort of say, oh, 
especially at executive level, go, you know, we want to just drive the business, we want to come to a mutual goal, um, but they don't see that as particularly a long-term goal. They see that as a mid or a short-term goal, but really it is a long-term goal. It's the direction your business is going in. And um, I couldn't agree more with um, yes, I, I, I would say the kind of the minimum viable way of thinking about this is is at, you, you want three levels at minimum. So there's the, the here and now, you know, what are the priorities this week, this month, this kind of like, you know, what, what you're working on in the moment. Then there's the kind of level of like a quarter out. So, you know, the, the things that will have a longer life cycle to that and the, and and quarter is a good kind of cadence and a good kind of way of thinking about it. Some companies go a bit faster, some companies take a longer view, but, but I think quarterly is a nice cadence to think about those things. And then there's the level above that, which in a lot of organizations, it's a year. Um, so you have that level. Now, if you're in a long business cycle business, it may be the case that that may be longer and, and it may be even, you know, there's a, there's another level of abstraction above that. But those kind of three levels, I think, would be a good way of thinking about it and getting your cadence, your kind of cycle time right in terms of the context of the business um, is the first step in all of this. That sounds really interesting. And I think for a lot of our listeners um, that also will correspond with the their OKR cycles, um, you know, as, as obviously probably Karthika, you also have it in your company, working with the OKRs is, is quite in at the moment. So those, those would probably uh, also be quarterly for a lot of companies. So yes. um, that cadence could play very well into your uh, OKR goals uh, for, for reaching that people's strategy, which actually brings me kind of uh, onto this, this other topic of how should individual businesses approach their people's strategy? Uh, what, what does your I'm talking to the audience right now, what does your business care about today? Uh, what do they care about tomorrow? Um, and I just wanted to throw this question to both uh, you, Stefan and Karthika, um, to kind of to what degree do you hook onto the business strategy itself? So that kind of a wider business strategy um, that's coming from your board uh, and and figure out where the touch points are with uh, the HR or with the people function to to build your to build your model. Sure. Um, shall I perhaps go first? Um, go first. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think all businesses care about the numbers and the financial numbers, unless of course they're like a social enterprise or a charity, or even if they're in public sector. I mean, still they have like. Um, efficiency targets and cost targets to operate to but but typically speaking most businesses care about the numbers one way or another so so there are the financial and either financial or product development or customer orientated types of like types of business considerations and typically those are the things that happen at the, at the exec team and those are the conversations that happen there but that's one whole piece of the system and your people strategy absolutely needs to not just support whatever those that business strategy is um but but better i mean that's a minimum that it needs to support it i would argue that uh, better it needs to be a proactive enabler of that business strategy um but for me that's just one 
kind of like pillar or or you know of a three-legged stool i'm mixing my metaphors a bit but if you you know the metaphor i have in my head is a three-legged stool and that's one of the kind of the um the, the legs of that three-legged stool um the second one to my mind is is the employee experience and employees themselves um and so if we take a, a kind of a user-centric or a design thinking type lens so so we want to think about our people strategy in terms of the employee experience and 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 what are the employees looking for and how can you craft the right kind of experience and the right kind of journey for your employees all the way through from you know from talent acquisition funnel and pipeline through to onboarding through to the whole process and, and specifically moments of truth there are moments of truth along that journey um, and key interventions and activities you know you focus on those you can have a big return on that employee experience so so for me that's the second kind of like like leg of the three-legged stool if you will and the third one is your own knowledge and expertise and craft on the people and culture or hr agenda and what i mean by that is in many cases the business might be may not be aware or yet be cognizant of the fact that you need to do proactive work in some of these areas. So a perfect example would be a scaling business, they're a, a small startup and they're introducing a next line of or their first line of managers or team leads underneath that. We need to do some work to equip and prepare those people so that they can be great people managers and to pay attention to the engagement and, motiva and motivation levels of their teams to mitigate against attrition and they need to be good people managers. Um, and but that may not even have occurred to some of the founders or some of the execs running the business. And, and so there's an example of where you need to be strategic and bring your insight and knowledge from the people and HR agenda to the, to the table. Another one might be around comp and where you sit within the market. Um, so you also have a, a role to proactively address some of the things that either the exec team don't articulate and don't see as priorities. And indeed the employees as well may not. Um, so that's the th kind of third leg. There's the business strategy itself, there's the employees and their experience, and there's what you know through your own domain expertise to be strategically important that needs to be built for the future. I would also argue that potentially there is actually a fourth piece, which is the macro level ecosystem that the company and its people are, are, are a part of. And so what I mean by that is, you know, many organizations, particularly now, it's important to be purpose-led organizations um, and to be a purpose-led organization. You typically will need to have some connection from a um, and either a societal kind of outcome or impact that you're trying to drive or a ecological or environmental one, but something within that broader ecosystem through the nature of what you're doing as a business and specifically your people agenda, you're enriching and adding value to that broader ecosystem as well. So that's a kind of a fourth one. That's kind of perhaps the landscape in which the, let's say, three-legged chair is sitting on. But those, I would say, would be the four components you need to think about. That's really interesting. Thank you for that perspective. I, I particularly also like to kind of draw some attention to that culture value that you said we could be adding through our people's strategy. Um, because um, one of the examples that you had there was around scaling. 
and how um, the how the leadership may not always see uh, sort of what projects and, and what things need to be done with culture in order to uh, achieve that good scaling without losing uh, any of the fundamental aspects of the culture and kind of the fundamental ways of working uh, and the um, the job satisfaction that people were having while the business was still small. So I, personally, this is something I'll take away. <laughs> this is really good. And I love your analogy with the three to four legged stool. <laughs> it's a great one. Uh, absolutely, Stefan, I can agree more. The one, you know, the one thing I've always taken away as a model, as an organizational psychologist, and this is exactly what you spoke about, is, um, and I, I don't particularly like any of the models, <laughs> or I go with any of the models into day-to-day -day business, because sometimes that model doesn't specifically work. But I do think, as you said, there are fundamentals, and um, the fundamentals for me is the STAR model, and it's very simple, is there's the strategy and direction of your business, um, then you need to, then that is, you need to look at how you're building your processes and how you're building your structures and the behaviors element of this. And I think this is where the people, people come in, but I don't actually think this is where the people, people come in, um, as in HR comes in. I think it comes in, in that strategy element, in the process building, in the structure, because the behavior side of this normally comes in um, at rewards and the people. Um, so rewards meaning what's the motivations for people to do certain things. Um, and that comes into this people sort of strategy. But I actually think um, it, all of this has, it, as you said, it's uh, four legged, but in my case, it's five legs um, <laughs> because you have the strategy there as well. And I think the people strategy sits at the, uh, as a neutral goal the business to be successful as well so um. yes um just just to respond to that i mean i think what's probably important is that people do have an organizing frame so so if the star model works for you that's great um you know whether you want something that's a little bit more simplified or you could i mean mckinsey have a great they have the seven s model as well so that's seven components to it i mean in, in some in some ways i don't think it really matters but i think what matters is that you do have an organizing framework for it and and you can use that to explore the territory in each one of these to formulate what is some of the strategic kind of components of it and where you're going to need to focus on those three different cadences that I talked about earlier on. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, I've seen people leaders go into sort of meetings and not have that framework in place. So yes. knowing what that framework is and how to work around that is, is the fundamentals. Yes. And talking about but, fundamentals, um, what what other practical tools can we can we talk about here when thinking about long term strategy? Um, yes. Um, so, so so I think there's a few that are on my mind. Um, one would be firstly a, a kind of like a a fairly simple narrative or storyboard for what your what your people and cultural HR strategy is going to look like. And so what I mean by that is it could be, for example, or, you know, a very simple, simple one would be like a six step 
um, narrative, which could look like the first step could be some articulation of what the future looks like, what our ambition is for the people of gender and culture. So there's so there's a kind of like a future orientated, you know, what's our ambition for this? Um, then there's a, how are we planning to organize our thinking? What's the, what's the, what, you know, how are we going to organize our approach to this? So some people use a metaphor of, of a house, for example, or a Roman temple. So there's, you know, on the top of the thing might be exactly that kind of purpose or future orientated outcome. In other cases, people frame that top of the, top of the Roman temple as the culture of the organization or, but there's, you know, you know, it could be any one of those things, but there's a kind of like a macro level piece of it. Um, and then there are a number of pillars and those pillars you could think about in the classical H, HR domain areas, talent acquisition, talent development, talent retention. You could think about those pillars as um, and indeed many others and there could be other pillars as well um, or you could think about them more as more framed in terms of the business and the business strategy components but there's a kind of like organizing set of prints uh, pillars to this thing and then there's a foundational layer and typically what you see in that foundational layer will be things like um, kpis metrics base level, what I would call infrastructure. So your processes, your kind of, you know, the you know, getting the HR that just works, you know, the stuff that needs to be done, you know, to enable that house. But there's a kind of a, like an organizing frame. So what is that organizing framework for you? Um, and then given that then, the third bit of this kind of like overall narrative would be then, so what are the enablers? And what are some of the things that are on our side that we could leverage? What are some of the barriers? What are some of the challenges we're going to need to uh, overcome? Some, then, then the next step would be some articulation of what the resources required are going to be, which obviously could be budget asks or headcount asks. Um, much more importantly to me, and it's not to say those things aren't legitimate, but much more importantly would be what's needed out of like the exec team and leadership, what kind of commitment behaviors um, and, and expectations do you have of the leaders? And likewise, and what do you need out of your employees as well to make this thing work? Um, and then the final bit of it would be around some benchmarks or KPIs and metrics, and what's the KPI and metrics set that you're going to use to steer the ship and to be able to monitor progress um, and also you know, have data to address the hotspots as, as they arise. So that would be a very simple, high-level kind of like strategic narrative or set of steps. Um, and then um, to do that, there's some intake questions that I've used over the years that have worked pretty well to inform that. But, but before we come to those, I'd just like to stop and just kind of gauge you guys' reactions to that. Um, absolutely. And I think one of the things um, that really um, puts me um, into you know the mindset is um, persuading leadership on your um, strategic lens specifically. Um, it's one thing that I've definitely struggled with and to, to specifically explain to leadership what your decisions are, why you're making them, um, and to actually put that into context um, specifically. Um, I mean, I would love to hear your sort of rationale around this because I read a lot of things about influencing decisions and you know you have to look at everybody in an exec team and all their behaviors are very different um you know some people are more objective in the sense that they 
they want their data on the table and some people are work with emotion right so they they're a bit more subjective when um saying yes um to to your decisions um but it's really about your when i come into the room i feel like okay how how do i stay the conversation what do i do um and how do i make sure that leadership um is on my side and to be honest a lot of the times i i've come to the conclusion that it's actually a mutual goal um that is set amongst amongst your leadership so to have everyone on board it has to be a mutual goal and sometimes that's more um done with with your methodology so how you present it um it's all about that i don't know if you guys agree or stefan you agree with that um, well, I do agree at a kind of a macro level. Absolutely, you you mean the, your people strategy needs to be a shared goal and outcome with the exec team. Um, how you go about that? Um, I mean, to your point about, and if we're talking about exec teams or or your key stakeholders, perhaps let's frame it that way. So it's not necessarily just an exec team of a business. But let's, let's talk about your stakeholders. Um, you're going to need to flex your style and approach um, with different stakeholders to your point about some being much more data-driven, some perhaps being more emotional. Um, um, you're going to need to flex your style and approach and repackage to a degree this this strategy to play to their both you know personal kind of style and um, and preferences but also to different you know, perceived business needs as well. So there's gonna be an art and a craft in taking your core like strategy and flexing it in a way to, um, it's not so much to engender buy-in, because I mean, yes, it is a bit of a sales process and you wanna engender buy-in, but you wanna make sure that those people are fully committed. You're not just selling the, the strategy to them, that they're really fully invested and that it does address their needs. So there's a degree of flex that's gonna be required. And I would urge people to really think in a stakeholder sense. And, that, and what I mean by that is that might be individuals, specific individuals in leadership position, but it might also be groups of people. So I would think about like, um, it's a bit like archetypes in marketing. So there'll be archetypes. So, and, and that may play specifically to your employees. You think about your employees, like new hires, that would be an archetype. Newly appointed managers, that might be another archetype. Those stakeholder groups, you know, I would want to make sure that the strategy um, is, is flexed to address and to get the buy-in of those groups as well. I agree with that. I think it's a it's a very interesting subject to me too, like getting explaining your decisions for your people's strategy to the leadership, getting them to cooperate with you if uh, any of those decisions involve kind of uh, some some common actions. Um, you touched a bit on, for example, if you are introducing more managerial layers into the company uh, and uh, Switchy, so the company where I'm working, we are dealing with something like this at the moment. And uh, I have to obtain some leadership buy-in into helping me run uh, a leadership development course for, for these new emerging managers, new emerging leaders. And it's about, for me, explaining to them what are the short-term investments versus what are the long-term uh, fruits of, of that labor that, that we can have. And um, yes. I just yes. find it, I just find this kind of buy-in and communicating with leaders sometimes 
just about illustrating to them what input is versus what the output is going to be like and and sort of selling selling the dream sometimes <laughs> yes yes i would just a couple of responses to that that's right and and what we haven't talked about so far is is co-creation um or the degree of co-creation you know, how much of this you're creating yourself and how much you involve these 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 stakeholders mm -hmm. i would argue very strongly the more you can co-create with them the better because they will be invested much much earlier in the process rather than you taking something to them some stakeholders won't be so receptive to that but the more you can do that the better um and i have over the years there are like four key intake questions or that i've used with those stakeholders and remember the stakeholders could be like named individuals and senior people but they could also be like groups of people like your first level managers you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. um and and so i want to ask them um for input into your strategy through these intake questions and then use that to craft and put together the um the kind of narrative or storyboard that i talked about earlier on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I recognize some of that for when uh, Switchy for the first time implemented a new performance management system. It was, uh, we we did all we could to involve um, leadership and managers and people who would be going through that performance management system, you know, to basically contribute some of their thoughts so that we build it in a way that they would want to work yes. with. Yes, I'm, I'm keen that we give, you know, people some practical things. And so, so I was thinking about, you know, what would be those four questions? What would be four useful, uh, like, intake questions to ask oh, different stakeholders? And, and I've got four that I'd like to share, or, and, and we, could, um, we could also debate them for a couple of minutes as well. Um, Great would idea. Would you like me to put them on the table? Please. <laughs> yes. So remember these levels of, like, abstraction that I talked about. So, yeah. So, I would add, so there are four questions and, and these and you could customize them a bit for you know different different stakeholders and different audiences but but essentially i think they should remain the same there are kind of four key questions to me one is so you know you know if you think about the next year to two years so we're going up to that kind of macro level horizon to start with the question i would ask would be you know what would be the standout you know standout differentiating elements of our people agenda over the next two to three years that we need to work towards in this next year ahead. So the first question is, you know, what's the standout differentiating and what do you want us to be known for? What's going to be different? What's going to be just, you know, incredibly amazing? So what are the mm -hmm. standout differentiating elements of our people agenda? Mm -hmm. Then I would also ask for, and maybe I've been a bit brainwashed by my kind of Google years, <laughs> but I, I would ask, you know, what are, you know, are there any like 10x or moonshot ideas that we should really shoot for? What would be some really crazy, stretchy, ambitious things that we should also try and shoot for as well? Mm -hmm. And how ambitious, ambitious are we talking, Stefan? Like, if you could give us an example. 
Um, so, um, you know, you want something that's going to be, to my mind, if you're going to have a really compelling and, you know, people strategy, got to deliver on the basics, but it's got to be, have, have something that's differentiating. It's not just the same old HR strategy that you go to in any organization. So, um, I can give you an example, um, of an organization that decided not to do any manager training, which would be the typical response for team leads or, or, you know, first line managers that get installed. We're not going to do, um, manager training instead. We're going to invest in a behavioral nudge engine, something that's going to prod people in the moment just before they need to have the coaching conversations or need to have the feedback conversations with their employees. So we're going to drip feed behavioral nudges into our into this population rather than sit them all in the classroom beforehand and, um, and give them a kind of like a half day training session, which may give them some models and ideas. But as soon as they return back to the workplace, basically, they'll have forgotten them because of the you know the Ebbinghauser um, uh, latency forgetting curve um, mm-hmm. so, so you know, what would be some really interesting different ideas that would be the second one but the third one for me would be you know well what's in the way what are the biggest obstacles or irritants that we need to remove or make as friction-free as possible in the year ahead? That takes you into the kind of like the, the here and now, you know, the biggest obstacle is we can't hire the right people. The biggest obstacle obstacle is, you know, we can't agree on what performance standards there are. The biggest obstacles is our, is we don't have psychological safety in this organization. Mm-hmm. The biggest obstacle is we don't have, you know, a diverse enough talent pipeline. So what are some of those more, let's say now, prosaic things that we have to absolutely get over the line um, in this year ahead. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one would be, um, how do we know that we're going to be successful? Um, so given all of that, what are the metrics that we need to use to monitor the health of the organization and deliver on this agenda? So what do you think should be the key KPIs that we're going to use? Mm-hmm. And those four questions or some variant of them, I'd want to really make sure that I asked of each one of these constituents or, or um, archetypes or, and stakeholders. And I would assemble all of that, take that intake and use that to frame the strategy, the kind of three or four legged chair we talked about. Mm-hmm. That is a very, very useful practical advice. And I'm sure people listening to us right now would be you know, typing this up somewhere uh, on the notes on their iPhone or <laughs> having a little yeah. journal nearby because this is uh, this is some really, really great advice right there. Thank you so I much. I mean, I've literally just written that down because a lot of times <laughs> we're, we're asked, um, so how is the people function going to be innovative? And <laughs> we don't know, but actually with these intake questions, it actually makes us think about... Um, the bigger picture, what we can do, what what differentiates us um, specifically. And um, we can look at the obstacles and challenges as well um, and, and go from there, which, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to frame it in the way you've just framed it, Stefan, so I've taken away that. Great. Yeah. Great. And, and then what I would say is the final step in all of this is you put all this together, you, you build that strategy narrative we talked about, and then we come to the quarter ahead. <laughs> so, so you know those kind of pillars in the in the strategy, they become almost like your swim lanes, your horizontal on a on a high level Gantt chart. So you know, and there might be stuff you need to do in talent acquisition. There might be stuff you need to do in development. There might be stuff you need to do in culture.
nature. I don't know what those organizing swim lanes for you would be, but if you have about like five or six of them, then specifically then this quarter, so the quarter ahead, what are the big, if you use OKRs, then OKRs for us um, that we are going to commit to? Or alternatively, what are the big areas of focus? It might be the development of new initiatives. It might just be a big organizational activity like it's I don't know what, you know, performance time or comp planning or whatever. But but use then you start to build up like a quarter on quarter process to help you move towards and and that fits within that kind of strategic framework that you've built. I like yeah. that. It's like you you have those things that you absolutely must do just because uh, things are evolving, things are changing. Uh, so there are those things that you absolutely have to carry out that quarter, but um, try and see how those things might fit with that longer term vision that you're trying to put together and, and also see what other wins, what other things can take you closer to achieving that long term strategy that you've set uh, through those qualifying questions. It actually reminds me a bit of the like a SWOT analysis. So your yeah. what are the things you can really do right now? What are some of the threats you're having? What's your biggest opportunity there? Um, but it's also kind of merging it with some smart goals because you what's your timeline for doing this and how are you even going to measure that you are getting there? So some really, really good advices for everyone who is listening to us today. Um, I'm just Great. so happy. I was so happy we went through it with you, Stefan. Thank you so much. Um, before we wrap this up, any last points of wisdom from you? Anything you want to um, just uh, share? <laughs> um, only just to the back to the start of this conversation. I mean, I, I do think, you know, whatever long term means for people in, in their context that they're in, um, you, know, it, you do need to, to have a point of view informed on data but a point of view on what the true north is you know what are the, the longer term things you're moving towards but then within that you have to be agile you're going to have to reprioritize restack the deck because things will change and they will change fast um, but it's the strategy the longer term piece will give you the north start to help you make those kind of trade-offs and if you've made a trade-off this quarter to go in one direction um, to respond to some specific needs or an urgent requirement then the next quarter you're going to have to pivot back to get you back towards the kind of strategic direction you want to go in so um i think the two sit together you know you could be reactive driven all the time um that would not necessarily move you towards your longer term north star you want to be if you're not reactive then you you're you're not going to be able to deal with the here and now so the both exist together mm -hmm. yeah needs to be in one environment and and i would say for those businesses who are afraid of the long term because they're doing the reactive now um processes and structure building and strategy um i would say it's so important um and and you guys might may or may not agree but it's so important for people to have a goal a vision um to what they're looking forward to um and have that set out to them um for, for a longer term um and as you said Stephen, in the beginning like long term for one business might be six months <laughs> might be 12 months might be 18 months um but that is long term for them 
Yes, so that's right. Different businesses are different, and um, you're just going to have to make um, dispensations of how it works for your business specifically. Um, but there are so many takeaways we can take away from this conversation, Steph, and that I think we could all implement right now as frameworks. Um, right. Good. Well, I hope I hope that's useful for people, and I'm very happy to share my thoughts. Thank you Thank so you, much, Stefan. Thanks so much, and right. yeah, looking forward to having you back, hopefully, um, with some more genius like this, because um, this is so invaluable for us. Um, and I'm sure for people who are listening. All right, guys, we will we will conclude there. Um, but if you guys want to follow us on um, LinkedIn or just connect with us on LinkedIn, you can. Um, we're always here to answer questions. We always want to hear your feedback. We always want to make sure that we're doing best podcast that we can um and i just want to thank you again stefan for being on the show today great thanks a lot guys thank you very much bye bye everyone now bye everyone